Hi everyone, my name is Asta Philpot and welcome to another episode of Asta Vision. Today is a, another special episode as I'm joined by Faye Mitchell, actress and commercial model. But there's more to Faye um, than just, just that. Um, she's also on Steph's Pack Lunch with me. Um, but there's, uh, there's an underlying subject that we're going to talk about today and that's got really probably nothing to do with television. Um, and that is... Faye has been a carer for years for her mum, so I'd like to welcome welcome to Astavision, Faye. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? We keep <laughs> kept cancelling, didn't we? But at last, I'm here, and I've got my little yeah, blanket yes. on to keep me nice and warm. <laughs> oh, fabulous! Yeah, I need a blanket as well. Um, Faye, just start out by telling me how um, your road and life as um caring you cared for your mother didn't you how that how yeah. that began really and who who you are who is Faye Mitchell yeah yeah so Faye Mitchell is um I like to think a bubbly outgoing extrovert um yeah up for a laugh like you say on Steph's Pat Lunch with you aspiring actor presenter lifestyle model basically any job thrown at me yeah I'll do it <laughs> within reason um mum of two uh, a child uh, a little boy who well he's not so little now 10 year old and a girl who's eight and um, got a partner Dave electrician you know so apart from all the glam of being an actor and a model etc then you know life is pretty normal um or it was up until 10 years ago um, when my mum was sadly diagnosed with uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, a lot of people think, what's the difference? Well, basically, dementia is like the umbrella. So that's the overall illness. And then underneath that is loads of different types of dementia. So my mum had Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed at 64. Uh, basically, um, I'll describe a her to you she was a bit like me but brunette <laughs> chatty outgoing lovely uh always loved fashion never left the house without a full face of makeup worked at boots nearly all her life um yeah and very very caring and loved the family and um yeah i was pregnant with my uh, son and um um off I went with the scan picture, um, knowing that she'd be just over the moon about being a grandma. Uh, don't get me wrong, she was already a grandma, but there's something they say, don't they, that when the girl in the family has the babies, then, I don't know, it's something special, and would she be really close to them because she's my mum and I see her all the time, you know. So off I went with this scan, and uh, she didn't react how I thought she would. Um, she didn't like throw her arms around me and cuddle me and go, oh, I'm so happy. I mean, she was happy, but she just, there was something amiss. And anyway, a few weeks passed, and she sort of was struggling a bit, um, getting her words out um, you know like me and you could sit here now and go oh what's that word That you know a bit like that don't yeah. want to scare anyone but that's what she was like and a bit sort of down I thought she was a bit depressed if I'm honest anyway off we went to the doctors and um, they did that memory test on her I mean obviously 10 years ago now so I don't know if like things have altered and you know it's a bit more intense as the test but it was just um, some general knowledge um 
questions, you know, um, who's the Prime Minister, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. um, there was a bit hit and miss with that test off. We went for a brain scan and lo and behold, yeah, she was diagnosed with dementia. And um, I never really thought it was that. I just thought she was depressed and like a lot of society now, you know, she'd be given a little pill that would make her feel a lot better, you know, once it got in her system. Um, and, but so, yeah, so the diet... Go on, sorry. Tell me, from that moment how mm. how your life changed and what decisions because yeah. there, there are a lot of decisions uh, because I, I, my grandma had dementia and she she passed away and you know from that moment the whole family almost have to get together don't they'd start making big decisions that not only yeah. affect affect their life but your life as well yeah well to be honest I was a bit guilt. I still feel guilty to this day, actually, of how I reacted at first. How I reacted at first and the family. Because we were so naive to the illness, we thought things wouldn't change that much. We were like, oh, she'll just go upstairs and forget what she's gone upstairs for. Or she'll, uh, you know, she, I don't know, one day she might forget to make a bit of tea, you know, for me dad when he gets home from work. We didn't realise the extent, so I took it really blase. Um, and I was like, oh, you'll be all right. The doctors haven't said you've got six months to live. We'll be fine. And off I went. And then it was only like um, sort of a matter of weeks did things start unfolding. And I was like, oh, in a minute, this illness is more serious than I thought and yes that's when we did have to sit down as a family and talk about mum um you know I there were I didn't like leaving her for long periods of time um there was one particular time that we went round uh, me and my brother to take her out for lunch and she couldn't find the key she was like locked in um she was uh, forgetting to eat um, one day my dad came home from work and she was wondering at the top of the street now don't get me wrong I don't want to scare people this wasn't straight away do you know what I mean these were all gradual things but these things had an impact then on me uh, because I felt like I was the one at home so I was the one that could get to her quickest do you know what I mean and help her and I was the one on all the doctor's records as I was sort of like next to kin even though dad was still around but dad was working and I think he was a bit more blinkered eyed to the to the what was going on than I was I felt really sorry for her and felt like I needed to step in and help you know and take her out and I was on the I was believing that, oh, well, if I keep her mind active, you know, if I get her out and company and out and about, you know, she'll be all right. But, you know, I, by then I'd had my son, so I'm pushing a pram around, you know, the big shopping centres and, and having to guide mum around too, you know, and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, in time... Do you think the, the blasé back. reaction you had... Well, you say blase, mm. but I I use that word because well, you used it's it. It's true. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's Do you think it's because it was almost uh, your defense, emotional defense mechanism kicking into place? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think it was me willing her that she'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I remember my brother saying, don't Google dementia because you'll be thinking all sorts. You'll be thinking mum's going to be running up and down in her underwear in the middle of the street. And yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I think my blaseness came from the fact that, A, I didn't know much about it. And be definitely thinking that oh she'll be all right. It will. It'll be right at the end where she'll get really bad, do you know. But dementia's sort of like the plateau. Then there'll be a dip, and then she'll plateau again. So, you know, and these dips were where she'll forget to dress, and then she'll plateau, and then she'll forget how to eat, and then plateau. Do you know what I mean? Or forget to make something to eat for herself, and. And after my dad actually found her wondering, and um, that's when we made the decision to get a key safe on the on the door and start locking her in. I know that sounds mean, but it wasn't. It was for her own benefit. Yeah. But in the house, she would be safe. The, you know, we didn't have a gas fire, gas cooker. She'd got to the point, bless her, where she didn't even remember to make herself a coffee, so she wasn't putting on electrical items and things. My mum was always one of them safe dementia patients, if you like. She'd just sit there, you know, once oh. once I knew she was in safe, locked in, she'd just sit there, bless her, just listening mm. to music or watching the TV. So what, what? because I know when that does happen, you know, a lot of, because it, it's, it's a big, it's a big responsibility, isn't it? You, you know, you almost become, well, you do, you become a carer, but, yeah yeah someone but for someone with dementia it's 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 a lot more isn't it because it's not just the physical aspect it's the it's the mental aspect they're having to deal with someone as well so what 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 made you decide not to not to kind of go down the care home route I just don't think it was ever an option I mean me and dad never and my brother never discussed a care home um, and because she was so young 64 if we'd have said straight away right that's it you've got dementia let's get you in a care home we can't cope I mean she'd have been probably one of the youngest in a care home I mean well I don't know because you know society today people are getting young onset dementia in the 50s but I felt mum was still too too young, too trendy, too... I needed her at home. I didn't want her in a care home. Uh, bless her. I remember once I took her to one of these um, singing for your brain and she was like, oh, I'm too young to be here and I don't like it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, bless her. So, you know, and definitely I think while she was still mobile and could walk about the, the house and everything, then just a care home wasn't an option. And a care home never was an option dad did a brilliant job towards the end um and we managed to keep her at home with a stair lift um, a hospital bed a reclining chair we had everything going it was like a nursing home was our front my dad's front room but yeah we managed to keep her at home and to this day um i don't think she'd have lasted as long if we hadn't give her that home care yeah. you know so what what, you hear from, some horrible stories, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. and you, you you tend to see that people do um, uh, go downhill faster, and it seems yes. to progress faster, doesn't it? If if, if you right. do go into one of these places, but what? How how did you find 
the support from the state, the government, the NHS when you when you when you did take this role on? Yeah, well, to be honest, I still say, say to this day that Leeds City Council have got a dartboard <laughs> with my picture on it because I felt like I was on the phone to them all the time, moaning, complaining, crying down the phone. The, I don't know, the lack of customer services and adult social care for me as a customer was horrific. I mean, my mum had, I don't know how many social workers, I don't know if they were leaving or swapping jobs internally, uh, but it seemed like every other week, oh, well, I'm now your mum's social worker. Um, yes, and to get plans in place from them was, yeah, it was tiring and it was upsetting and mm. it was frustrating, yeah. Um, I mean, when I got everything in place, fine, uh, but getting things in place was hard work, yeah. And also as well, the first company we had coming in to look after mum, because it was all funded by uh, Leeds City Council. We were happy with that and grateful for that. But the first caring company that came in, again, I was on the phone to them all the time, you've not done this, you've not stayed enough time, you've not done that. You know, how my mum's down for an hour call, you've been here 20 minutes, uh, how have you fed her, you know, and toileted and... and and give her a drink in 20 minutes it's not doable um so yeah there was a lot of upset and upheaval and like i say me having to take my my eye off the ball with my own family you know and sort mum mum's needs out but eventually we got a great company in um you know who, who were who were fantastic really but to get to that stage sort of seven years into the illness it was a long grueling yeah, time. And yeah, I don't know that... if you yourself have had, you know, um, if you've had um, a connection with adult and social care. So I don't know if your experience has been the same, I, but you've definitely I've not been aware. With, I've had experiences with Leeds adult social care. And let oh, me yeah. tell you, let me tell you, the experience <laughs> yeah. is completely mirrored. Um, yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty atrocious, really. They expect they expect they expected me to kind of like basically live on my own without with hardly any care. So it's just it was it was bizarre. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and getting through to a meeting, it? it's like oh, they're not in the office at the moment, and you, you think you are. You just say no, I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating, isn't it? When you when it's one of your loved ones as well. What um mm. Alzheimer's has been around since nineteen oh six. Wow. You know, what what in your in your view mm. what 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 has been done and what has been achieved and what are you doing to because I know you you campaign and you fundraise for for Alzheimer's and dementia. So, so what what can be done? Like do you, do yeah. you ever see do you ever see a cure? I don't know. I mean, nineteen oh six. I mean, I wonder, wonder when all the other horrible diseases, you know, work came around. I mean, you've got to remember though. I bet in that era, and especially even when my grandparents were younger, 
um, Alzheimer's dementia, I bet they just used to get shoved away in a room somewhere. Oh, they're going cuckoo, dulali. That's what people used to say, didn't they? But obviously, they were suffering uh, and living with, with a medical condition. Um, I mean, going back to how mum was diagnosed 10 years ago, yes, I've seen things um, progress in society um, I think we've become a lot more dementia friendly and dementia aware I still think there can be a, a lot to be done um, for the simple fact um, I can't stand when people still make jokes about dementia and say oh I've just forgot so so <laughs> I must be starting with dementia yeah. I'm like really mm, would you make a joke about cancer or something else you know mm. let's not do that I've, I also as well saw someone post a poem on Facebook uh, about someone living with dementia about all the funny things that they might do and I thought you'd be hounded and stoned if you if you put a joke about another terminal illness you know why are we all laughing at that you know let's face it you people are will die from this they won't ever recover so let's not make jokes so yeah i'd like to stamp out the jokingness around it and i'd like to stamp out the fact that they think just because you're old you get it because that's not true either it's not it's not just something you get from old age it's an actual disease it's a shrinking of the brain illness and anybody could get it at any time you know the youngest person to be living with it is 30 so um really let's, let's squash all them yeah let's squash all them um like i said it rattles me when it's <laughs> when people say that um cure wise is there going to be a cure i don't know you know, with Alzheimer's and, and dementia, the prognosis is, sorry, this is how it was worded, you know, sorry, Miss Mitchell, you've got dementia and you'll see a, a memory nurse and and given a tablet, which may help um, prolong it. It may not, we don't know. You know, there was no, well, we'll try this treatment or we'll have this operation to remove something or do, it wasn't, so it's all... God, I hate to say it, but it's like a bit like a death sentence. It's like, we don't know how long you'll have it. You, everybody's different. We don't know how you'll react to it. So, you know, we'll just keep an eye on you. And then you see the memory nurse for so long, and then that's that. It's just a case of, right, well, you know, we've gone as far as we can. Any more problems, just see your GP. Um, but... There is a lot around raising money and raising awareness, like we see on the TV now. There's a lot of adverts in the, you know, um, say asking to get involved with the Alzheimer's Society memory walks and things like that. So we have come a long, long way, um, but I still find that we're nowhere near that cure yet. Uh, I don't even. I mean, we see little hopes of things, don't we, on the news, but. I don't know. There's nothing that's been woo, and it's good, and it's too late for my mum. You know, she, I told you, didn't I? She sadly passed away last Tuesday in a hospice, yeah. and mm. yeah, it, it's going to be too late for her. But let's hope that my children will grow up in a world without dementia. Let's hope, you know, that we're going to rule it out and stamp it out because it's a very, very cruel illness. Imagine 
you know, a loved one next to you and you can't even remember that you gave birth to that loved one. Looking I can't even imagine. Who is that? I can't. It's just, yeah. yeah. I, I sat with my grandma and she had um, Louis bodies. So right. she experienced like um, spiders and crawling on her and family oh. members in a house that weren't there. And it's just, it's a really cruel disease. Um, yeah. That I don't. That I don't think people still know the kind of gravitas of it, you know? Um, Impact, that's it, yeah. Mm. What I would you... It... I, I know that, you know, and I'm really sorry to hear she passed away. What? How does, life, how does life look for Faye now? Because obviously, <laughs> you know, as cruel as it sounds, you've cut your life back, haven't you, in a way? Yeah, like I'm not caring for her, you know, and I'm not getting phone calls left, right and centre from day centres or, you know, and this and, and she lost her power of speech a long, long time ago. So we feel, you know, we were, we were feeding her and not knowing if she was hungry and, and giving her a drink and not knowing if she was thirsty. So her, her life wasn't great. So I... I like to think she's in a much better place now. You know, she's free of it, free of dementia. And my life, well, I miss her. I miss caring for her. You know, how can you, you know, I used to give her a bath every Sunday and it's like yesterday, I was like, mm, can't bath her now. Um, and if I had to do it all again, yeah, I'd, I would look after her again like that. You know, if I, if I could have her back and... But she was coming back still with dementia then, yeah. I'd take that and, and still look after her. Because there were some funny times, <laughs> you know. And I got to know her a lot, even though she couldn't speak. It was like, she was like my baby, you know. Like, I had I had my son and I had my daughter 20 months apart. So I had two young children. But I also had my mum. So it was like I had a little, I had three children to look after. So it was manic, crazy, upsetting, but still, you know, nice at the same time. And I can take that with me that I did everything I could for my mum. So there's no regrets and there's no looking back to say, oh, we should have done that, we should have done this, because she had, she, had, she had me, you know, 100%. And I always had her back. So even though I was arguing with adult social care, it was for her, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and and you <laughs> and you touched on the campaign of mine. Um, but yeah, four years ago, I thought, God, how can I turn this anger of dementia into something positive? Because I mean, you like yourself, you're brilliant, you know, living with your disabilities and things. And you've said to yourself, No, I can't let life ground you down and be angry all the time let's do something positive so I thought oh you know what I'll raise a bit of money for the Alzheimer's Society I'll have a little coffee morning at the school the local school and um, when they said oh yeah okay you can have a coffee morning I'm like oh that was easy <laughs> so I thought all right then I thought actually I don't want to do a coffee morning and raise a couple of hundred quid I want to do something bigger so I thought what can I do and um, anyway, when I talked to the society, they went, um, do you remember the guy? Um, I don't know if you watch it, Emmerdale, or you used to watch it, and they did a storyline with the vicar. He had dementia. She said, oh, we had a Denning for Dementia conference once, and he rocked up in triple denim. And I was like, oh, 
that's it. Denim. Who doesn't like getting on the pair of skinnies? <laughs> so anyway, it's like I called the day Pudsey does denim for dementia. And I, in, this is where I live, Pudsey. I got every school and every business and every shop to wear denim that day. And it raised like 12 and a half grand. And I was like, oh, I'll take that. And it raised so much awareness on the day as well. So the year after, I thought, oh, well, if I can do it in Pudsey, I'm sure I can uh, span it out to Leeds, <laughs> other schools in Leeds yeah. and businesses. And, yeah, just with the power of Facebook and social media, um, on the 19th of May this year will be my fourth year doing it. And so far, yeah, it's raised about £120,000 and lots of awareness. Wow. So, yeah, everybody listening, get your denim on on the 19th of May. Donate a pound and and that's (laughs) all you need to do. And just think of, I don't know, on that day when you're getting on your denim, just think of someone, you know, a neighbour, a loved one, someone that's passed or someone that's just been recently diagnosed with dementia and just think, hmm, how can I help them today? You know, do they need a bit of shopping? Or do they just need a little call? Hello, it's me. (laughs) You might have forgotten me, but I've not forgotten you. (laughs) I'll definitely be getting my denim on on the 19th of May, 100%. Thank you. I hope my viewers and listeners do as well. But um, Yeah. How I'm interested, you've obviously got an incredibly understanding partner and family. How did it? Yeah. How did it affect your home life? Well, I mean, it was like I was on a bit of a roller coaster emotion-wise. You know, one day I'd be happy, happy me. You know, getting on with things and thinking, well, you can't change anything, so let's get on with it. And then another day I'd just be in floods of tears because I was losing my mum. You know. Mm. Um, they, they call it the long goodbye and it was it's like you know every day would be different so yeah mixed emotions just like I say crying one day happy the next arguing the next day with other with people you know to get things done and um and then worry as well you know there's been a lot of times where we've had to call ambulances out to her because you know we haven't known what's wrong with her my mum couldn't say, oh, I've got a nasty pain here, quick, you know, or anything like that. I had to look at her face and how she was grimacing or if she was being sick or something like that and and make a call to think, right, something's seriously wrong, I need an ambulance. So many of the times I've been in the back of an ambulance with her and to take her down to hospital and being her vocal point, you know, because she couldn't explain things. So that, that's been tiring as well and, and also as well the run up to the end of it all. Um, sat by her side in the hospice, you know, I didn't want to leave her then either, you know. Um, thinking when you said goodbye, will that be the last time? But, you know, without getting morbid, I was there. I was there for that peaceful moment, holding her hand still. I bet she was like, oh, you bugger off, you're always here. <laughs> 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 no, no, I I was oh, there yeah. for the passing of my grandma as well, and um, there's something special, isn't there? When you know, in yeah, the, the, the release from that almost trauma. But did you? I'm interested. Did you? Did your mornings? Did your morning process start when she got diagnosed? Because, like you said, it it is 
it's a long it's a long process isn't it so yeah. it's almost like oh, it's almost like you expect it isn't it mm, yeah it's like i didn't know when to expect it but gosh yeah i was mourning i was mourning the fact that i couldn't ring her anymore and go hi mom how are you let's just have a chat i was mourning the facts that i couldn't ring and say help me with the kids can you have them overnight i need a break or help me i'm stuck in manchester can you pick them up from school you know and <laughs> and um and little things like when I'd see grandparents in the schoolyard picking up the kids and them running out, oh, grandma, you know, I was always sad seeing that. Uh, so, yeah, every day I'd mourn a little bit of what she couldn't do for me and or what we couldn't do together. So it's very, very painful, yeah. Because it's not as if she'd have a good day as well, you know. It'd be like, oh, look. She's back, she's back to a normal self today. We can have a good day with her. You know, it was dementia, so it was just mm, like this. Well, she was she was really lucky to have you, and um, like my mom and dad are That's carers as well, and, and they 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 literally care for me for nothing. You know, and they don't get Aww. any kind of any payment or child uh, well, child just, um, yeah. you know carers allowance. So. You know, I, I think you're a real lovely example of how um, we should look after our family because yeah, you know we're all we're all too yeah. quick to kind of drop the baton, aren't we? Really, but uh, we've got yeah, to remember that well, we've got to remember that yeah. they brought us into the world. Well, this is it. It's she did everything for me, changing me nappy, feeding me, get being the person that I am so I needed to help her at a time when she needed me you know um, and everybody says oh you know you were a wonderful daughter she was so proud and I'm thinking why did she tell you but before she couldn't speak anymore was she proud of me and she was like they were, oh yeah and they were like oh you know um you know have you ever been asked this question when um I don't know, you might apply for something and they say, oh, name three people you'd like at your dinner table. And, you know, well, I got asked them, yeah, who would you like to interview and why? And I said, you know what, I'd like to interview my mum because I can't remember what she sounded like because she hasn't spoke for that long. So, yeah, I'd like to talk to her. Not bothered about Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston up there. <laughs> or the Queen. <laughs> no, no, your mum's your queen, and I um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for you, and I uh, um, and again, I, I condolences. I'm really sorry you lost to last week. Must be a big hole in your it's life, fine. and um, yeah, that they, they never really go anywhere. Right, I I think you know it's just, it's just this this whole thing of kind of funerals and this human made up thing of funerals. It's like you know. I just think it's a bit of a rip off of of how you how you feel and the energy you get from that person when they haven't I know they're not there physically but I liken it to you know my uncle passed away last year and he was 5000 miles away but I never really saw him regularly but he was still there yeah. do you know what I mean so yeah yeah I know I'm hope I suppose when when someone passes you do start to think of the afterlife and you know and that's another subject in it but I, I do 
I do believe and I, and I want to believe and I'm thinking to myself, you know, shall I go to a clairvoyant? Shall I see if she comes, you know, if I get a message? Do it. You know, because, yeah, I, I don't want to think that I'll never see her again or hear from her again, you know. So it's... um. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And then after the funeral, in it, everyone goes back to their own lives and then you're just left thinking. Society says, now I need to get over it because we've had the funeral and, you know. But, yeah, uh, all the equipment, though, out of the house is going up, going tomorrow back to Leeds City Council. So when I walk into the house, it'll be strange, my mum and dad's house, because that were a little... Like I say, like a little old people's home, a little hospital ward, so it'll be all cleared. But I think that needs to happen for Dad to move on, though, as well, because he says he still checks in on a, on a night and she's not there. Oh, bless him. Because even though she couldn't talk or anything, she'd be just laid in bed like this, <laughs> with her eyes oh. shut. It's still just well, she was there, peaking. wasn't she? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because what, a lot of him? people will be like, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say a lot of people would be like, well, you know, if she didn't talk and she didn't ring you anymore and stuff like that, but it's the physical aspect, you know. I'd say hello, Mum, she won't say anything, but, yeah, could still give her a kiss on the cheek, yeah. What's next for Faye? I mean, because, you know, you, you, like I said in my intro, you, you, you're you a commercial model and you're an actress and, yeah, you know, how 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 do you pick up Faye now and, you know, what's next? Yeah. Well, the next for Faye is um, just hopefully living the dream and and it's put life into perspective that you only live once. So I aren't going to say no to anything, apart from if it's uh, jumping out of a plane or doing a bungee jump because I'm not great with heights. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it's just trying to get that big break or being something that I can say, Mum, look, I did it. This is for you. Because when we're on Steph's part lunch, she'd have loved that. She'd have been, ooh, happy, on telly, you know. So I just want, yeah, I want to live the dream, make her proud, not say no to anything. And, um, yeah, the Coronation Street are watching this podcast what do you think? Me behind the rovers, hash. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, um, I wish you all the luck, Faye, and um, I really oh, appreciate you. you. I really appreciate you coming on to Astrovision yeah. to just to help, you know, raise more awareness around around that subject and, you know, to hopefully to, to help other people because I don't think enough people talk about it, so... Um, yeah, I definitely. Just, I really, talk, I really appreciate talk. it. Oh, it's all right. And if anybody ever is worried about a loved one or just wants to my opinions or just to talk about it, feel free to get in touch. You know. Um, How do they get in my touch? Journey, then, oh, just well, I'm on. Uh, so my um, Facebook page is called Denning for Dementia. I'm on Facebook, Fair Mitchell. They can get in touch with you, Ash, and you could pass on my details. I'm on Instagram. G. Mitchell, but like I say, my journey's unfortunately finished with dementia. But if your journey's just starting, I'm here for you, and uh, we can cry, we can laugh together. 
because let's face it, as well as the tears, there has been some fun moments with Carol Mitchell. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Faye, thank you so much, and I wish you lots of love. Thank you.